Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Seamless Connection. My name is Mina Malapetti, uh, founder and CEO of AmplifyMD, and today I'm here with Jason Parent of Point32. Um, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. Thank you. It's a pleasure, uh, pleasure being here. So you have such an interesting journey. I want to have you introduce yourself and Point32 to the audience, but from getting your nursing degree to going through hospital informatics um, and working in the nursing field for a long time, and now you're the director of clinical innovation, we'd love to kind of get more information from you on your background and what inspired you um, to you know, develop your career the way you did and brought you to where you are today. Yeah, no, thank you. Geez. Yeah, it's, it's been a long journey. So I, I, you know, for myself, it was late 90s when I actually got my nursing degree. Um, I wish I could say back then I planned all of this out to all be exactly where I am today. Uh, that, that, of course, is, is not the case in any way, shape or form. But no, I started off as, as a nurse in, a, in an emergency room setting in, um, in Massachusetts in a community hospital. Found my way to Mass General uh, as a nurse there. You know, one of the things loved working there. Those day night rotations will get you though, as a, as a nurse. And decided, okay, gonna leave that. Did some care management, and then um, you know, continued sort of working in that Mass General Brigham, which to me it's partners uh, when I was there. Um, but uh, continued along that uh, for a period of time and then ended up at Harvard Pilgrim in 2014. Um, and uh, the interesting part about sort of my time at Mass General and then even at Harvard Pilgrim, which became Point32 Health, which we'll talk about, is I was doing a lot of IT and clinical analytics work. So I, at one point I was even coding, you know, sitting down at a computer and writing like computer code, right? It's just... You know, that was one of those things when you're like graduating nursing school, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to be sitting at a computer writing code. But the key piece was it was the clinical knowledge that was key um, to understand, like, how do you make sense of data? How do you gain clinical insights from data? Um, and then, you know, it's a huge piece. And then in the last few years, I actually got my family nurse practitioner as well. So enhanced that patient experience and, and understanding um, really... You know, there's nothing, there's nothing more profound than sitting with a patient in an exam room, talking about their needs, talking about how to help them, um, and then using that experience to help guide what we do today. So in clinical innovation, so. That's great. And then what brought you to Point32 and what are you doing there now? Yeah, so Point32 is, so it's a newer organization. So it's the combination of, of Tufts Health Plan and Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare. So I'm coming from the legacy Harvard Pilgrim side. So again, started there in 2014. And, you know, the, the sort of those two organizations coming together, clinical innovation didn't exist previously. So, you know, it wasn't coming from any specific legacy organization. What we focus on now is so unique and so different, especially from a payer standpoint. So we're looking at things that are cutting edge, things that aren't necessarily the standard of care today. But the key piece is, can these innovations, can these interesting solutions, um, can these novelties really improve care for our members? And we think so. And so I'm the director of clinical innovation. So I get to do a lot of really cool stuff a lot of the time. Um, but at the same time, there's that push and pull of working within a payer as well that, you know, uh, it's, it's not always well accepted sometimes to say, hey, we're going to do something with virtual reality, which is, you know, 
yeah. <laughs> maybe not the thing that most payers think of, of like a direction to go in. Um, so I, I enjoy it quite a bit, though, in, in uh, trying to discover sort of new solutions um, for our members. It's a lot of fun. Yep. No, that's awesome. And, and in terms of why they merged, was it to do this to drive more innovation, to drive healthcare costs down, kind of the typical stuff? Was there more behind it in terms of um, creating more of a wellness um, company and one focused on keeping people healthy as opposed to treating them when they're sick? Yeah, it, it's so I think when you look at Point 32 Health and even the concept of like clinical innovation, like I said, didn't exist previously. Point 32 Health now and I say now we've been around for two years um, is we really don't like to consider ourselves a payer. Clearly, it's sort of fundamental to the business that we provide, but really can consider ourselves sort of a, a health and well-being company. And, you know, the combined 90 years of experience between both organizations, you know, that coming together means we can care for more people. We can capitalize on sort of the best components of each organization. We can create a more well-rounded solution for folks. And so one of the things that's more interesting than, um, then let's say just Harvard Pilgrim, where I came from, where predominantly we had a commercial population and a Medicare population. Both organizations combined, we now have Medicaid, a larger commercial population and a larger Medicare population. So you're bringing all that together. And our mantra and the thing that we're doing and bringing folks together is that we guide and empower healthier lives for everyone. And sort of that's why we're together. That's why we're trying to do it. And you know, even out of that, you know, we're one of the first plans uh, accredited in the country for um, health equity. So that's a huge thing from NCQA. Um, I think 2022, we got the um, most community minded business. Um, and so I think there's just a lot of synergies between these organizations that ultimately um, help our membership. And in being just a, a larger regional um, payer in the U.S., you know, I think brings people you know, they gravitate to us. They want to work with us more. Uh, and then we're able to offer more innovations. We're able to have this conversation today <laughs> because yeah. of that. No, this is great. And I definitely want to dive deeper into the health equity. But first, um, from our point of view, we firmly believe at Amplify, everyone has a healthcare story, right? Everyone, regardless of whether you're in the healthcare field, you've somehow been touched by it, family, friends, what have you. would love to pick your brain a little bit. What's your healthcare story? Was there a time when you needed care and you weren't able to get it or you got care and it was this kind of light bulb moment of like, why isn't this done like this all the time or anything like that? Sure. I, I think so. It's interesting because I, I think this is what started my healthcare journey is so, you know, my father had um, COPD, you know, um, so chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Uh, and that was actually when I was in high school. So it was sort of those formative years of, of what do you want to do with your life and how is, is healthcare impacting you, impacting your friends, your family. What for me that I felt was confusing is that at the time, you know, healthcare is this very sort of nebulous concept. I mean, we all, we go to the doctor, you, you get treatment, whatever it may be, but we don't truly understand, like I said, the average lay person may not truly understand healthcare. And, and I think for me, I saw more of a, a health literacy component initially to say, well, I want to know more. I want to know more about his treatment. I want to know how to help. And I think for me was what's put me on this journey, you know, and 
many instances, it's that situation that I think about in regards to how he struggled initially with just, you know, communication within the healthcare system. And I think even as providers, and I catch myself doing this from time to time too, we don't communicate as clearly as we think we do. Um, you know, we could do a better job of that. And, and so I think all of that came together, which, which put me on this path today. Thankfully, I've been, um, for my own personal journey, relatively healthy um, uh, as well. But, I, you know, I, I try to, again, friends and family appreciate the, the other side of things and what it's like to, 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 to be a patient um, and try to work that into some of the things we're doing from a, an innovation standpoint. So. Well, I was going to ask if you if your dad had been diagnosed today or if you were in charge of clinical innovation when when he was going through the process, what would you have done differently or do differently for someone in his situation? Yeah, I think I think especially today. I mean, gosh, it was, you know, um, so it was so I've been RN now for well, nurse practitioner now. But when I first got my RN, that was late 90s. And that's when he was I think that's when he was diagnose a little bit before that. So technology's changed quite a bit. I think one of the things that would be key is using a lot of these digital solutions that are out there today. So telehealth or, te you know, I'm seeing a lot of things now for um, pulmonary rehab in which someone can do at home. You know, one of the things that even for him that terrified him was the fact that you were going out into the community, you know, going out into, I mean, we see the numbers now, covid I mean, you know, if you're someone who has COPD at that time, gee, like that, you wouldn't do that or the flu or any of these different things to be able to get, you know, healthcare delivered to you in the comfort of your home, I think is key. Um, I think you do, you know, get better utilization of it, um, which leads to better outcomes. And I think that's probably some of the things we would have done um, differently at the time because those things just didn't exist. Um, you know, we, we think about a time where, We've all gotten used to, you know, you know, the phone, right? You know, having, you know, this, this amazing device that can do so many, so many different things. I think about at that time, I think I had a Radio Shack bag phone. The battery was larger <laughs> than this. <laughs> like, that's how far we've come since then. Like, the battery was, like, larger than that. But so, probably some of the things we do differently, so... Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. And that kind of brings us back to health equity that you were mentioning before. Amplify MD, we started that to exactly you said, better access leads to better outcomes. So um, from your point of view, from a payer perspective, right? So we see it on the ground every day, bringing telehealth, bringing care to the patients from a payer perspective. You know, what's your viewpoint on how telehealth can help health equity, how it can lead to those better outcomes, how it can potentially keep people out of the hospital or leave the hospital faster? No, I think I think it's key. I think whether it be telehealth or digital health, digital therapeutics, um, one of the things that we're trying to do is, especially within clinical innovation, some of these things. Now, digital therapeutics, for an example, isn't necessarily the standard of care today, and or virtual reality, let's say for for chronic low back pain or something to to that extent. But what we're trying to do is if we cover this. Right, and we can pay for it, and we can use that experience of, of members being on it, patients being on it, use real world data 
to demonstrate better outcomes as you're talking about, right? It's in their pathway. They're going to come to the visit. And maybe some of those visits are cheaper than having to go to their, you know, their doctor's office down the street or, or across town or maybe you know, an hour or two away, depending on where they're living. That access, that expanded access, that, that payment, it's so fundamentally important because then you're going to have individuals who are going to utilize care. As the payer covering it, you know, people aren't going to have to pay their dollars towards things. You know, they're, they're, people don't have thousands of dollars just hanging out to essentially just cover, you know, for care. I mean, there, were, there wasn't a recent, um, uh, I think it was a Pew Research study that, that just came out uh, that talked about this was the highest percentage of individuals that they've um, seen in any time they've conducted this poll of individuals who said they can't afford their health care anymore. And this is from a commercial population of individuals, you know, so I think that's, it's so fundamentally important. We have to understand of how do we get care to people? How do we make it as, as you know, um, accessible, but yet also not so, you know, out of reach from a cost standpoint that no one's going to use it. And I think whatever we can do from a, a payer standpoint and pairing ourselves with innovative thinkers, um, you know, like yourself is key. I think years ago, there was always an element of when telehealth was, oh, it's telehealth, you know, how are we going to have this provider in our, you know, it's, you know, now it's like, hey, you're a telehealth provider. What do you do? Oh, wonderful. Let's just sign you up for our network and we're going to make sure that, that folks are out there and they can access you. So I think that's even how um, our perspective changed because there's access issues everywhere. Um, and, and, it, and it's, you know, then we wonder why we're dealing with you know, maybe even from a payer standpoint of really expensive care being provided, right? It's just because all of the things you could have done years ahead of time may have not been there. And if you do them, you know, you alleviate that, that burden on the healthcare system. People don't get us sick. Um, and by gosh, maybe we're providing good healthcare. <laughs> so that would be, that'd be amazing, right? And all the money we spend in this country, maybe we actually provide good healthcare to people. So. So one of the questions um, I have, and I'm not, I know I'm not the only one working with payers and you've probably seen this in, in your years since, since in, being in that payer side of things, it's not the easiest thing to break into from an innovation standpoint, right? If you're looking from the outside in and you're like, I have the best things since sliced bread, so what would your advice be? Again, director of clinical innovation, you're looking for these things actively, but even if you find it, even from the inside, is it easy for you to make change with such a big organization? Given this is how we've always done things, right? I'm sure you hear that all the time. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> so I feel like you've <laughs> you've been spending a lot of time with me, uh, <laughs> even though that's not the case. So the, the 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 sort of joke that I that I say to folks, which I find funny, and, and but is you know we think about even the discussion we've had today, right? We mentioned virtual reality, digital therapeutics. You know, precision genomics is another area that we're focused on. All these different components, very, again, not necessarily the standard of care, but have the potential for outcomes to be, you know, equal to or superior to the standard of care. Really interesting stuff. We're a payer, though, and the technology that we probably use more than any other is like the fax machine, even today. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> So that's, so to your point, it is difficult. It, 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 it's probably one of the most challenging areas that clinical innovation has within a payer. 
And even within the last two years of this department being around, we've had to pivot a lot in making sure that we identify champions within the organization for anything we're going to bring on to say, and, and we have to, uh, you know, make sure that that thing that we're piloting or interested in does fully equate to a need within the organization. So is it is there a challenge with chronic disease management in diabetes? Okay, so maybe we need a solution there. Is there a challenge with, you know, quality scores from a, a, you know, a plan standpoint or Medicare start rate, whatever it may be, we have to make sure we align with others in the organization in um, what their focus areas are and that the solution's essentially going to um, contribute to those better, you know, not just health outcomes, but health outcomes within a plan. I think for folks on the outside looking in the, in the advice that I give, um, which was advice I was given by a founder from the number of startups we, we, we work with. Um, and, and I love working with founders because they're, they're such, they teach me so much, um, you know, and keep my eyes open and inject that sort of startup mentality into the organization. But one of the founders who had been doing this for a while and, had a number of different companies that they've exited from and, and whatnot. I said, find the person in the organization who's going to champion you. And that's the key piece is find the clinical innovation entities, find the emerging technology elements, find the, even the investing elements you see in some payers, they've sort of spun off in some instances. And, and that's where a lot of the startup um, sort of front door is find those areas and, you build those relationships there. That's what's going to get you, you know, the conversations go, well, we can do some pilots. We can look at your data. We can look at your evidence. And then I'm confident that I can champion you in the organization and, and I can become your voice in the organization and, and try to bring something to fruition. So it's not easy, but that's sort of the, the advice I would give from that standpoint. Nope. That completely makes sense. Um, from you and from your point of view, we've talked about virtual care and there's so many elements to it, as you pointed out, what's top of mind for you personally? You're like, by the end of this year, you'd be thrilled if you made an impact on X. What is your X? Oh, geez. Um, so for me in regards, well, so virtual care, um, one of the challenges, so I'm going to take it in a slightly different direction, which I'm sure you love when you're just do that. That's not the answer to the question I was looking for, but it's, I'll, I'll go there anyway. Is I think one of the things I need to make more strides in, whether it be virtual care or any other things that we're doing, is we need more provider partnerships. Um, I think building more alignment within our provider community is huge. Now, as, as a provider and payer, the thing I jokingly say, like providers probably have an opinion of us that is only slightly like above Congress as a whole, you know, and, and so like, I get it, I understand. And, and payers are, can be difficult to work with. Like, again, I've been on both sides of it. I've understand why prior authorization goes into place from a payer standpoint, and they can also be unbelievably frustrated from a provider standpoint when I have to do a peer to peer. You know, so it, it's, it's an interesting thing from seeing it from both sides. But the provider piece is key because I think if we can involve or clinical innovation can build more relationships with providers, especially forward-thinking providers, there's the ability for us to provide virtual care, virtual reality, 
um, precision medicine, all the things that I think people have wanted uh, and, and can potentially integrate into their care, into their clinical practice. You know, I think we can do that at scale uh, and we can get some outcomes that we, we weren't thinking previously. So I think for me at the end of the year, and, and it's what we're striving to do more, is just getting more of that um, provider impact and, and more relationships there. Finding those synergies, it's not easy because we all have different focuses, but I think instead of being a pair, a pair coming into a broader show, you need to do this, you need to do that, this is, you know, through all those things, it's how can we help you? And how can we help each other? And how can we do some really interesting things? And, and so I think that's where I want to take things in the next year. That sounds super exciting. I wish you the best of luck with that. That's Thank great. you. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll connect in a year and see how it's gone. <laughs> well, Jason, I know we're coming up on the end of our time here. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat this morning. And I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes this year. Thank you. No, I appreciate uh, you having me and um, best of luck to you as well. Mm -hmm.